This is Bless You Boys Podcast 84, recorded Friday, August 30th, 2013. Hey, 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 it's Albert. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and enjoy. Podcast where the editorial staff of BlessYouBoys.com, SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog, kicks around the past week of Detroit Tigers baseball. And yes, it's only been a week rather than, well, the kind of patchwork schedule we've had as of late, but we're going to try and do them every week from here on out. As usual, I am your host, um, blogger, wrangler, and uh, co-managing editor of Bless You Boys, Al Beaton, you know me around the site sometimes as Big Al. You know, it, it, it depends on where I'm at on SB Nation. That's what thumbs up. This week, we do have a special guest. Before we get the special guest, we got the same old, same old, and that is uh, a columnist for the Detroit News. He's a, a big-time mucky-muck at SB Nation and, of course, co-managing editor of Bless You Boys. That would be Mr. Kurt Menchin, who is hanging out in the UP. Uh, and, of course, and if we're going by our... Our, our pre-recording conversation. He's also naked. <laughs> well, it was pretty hot this week, Al. <laughs> How hot I, was it? I haven't had pants on for five days. And <laughs> yeah, I'll have to add a rim shot to that. All right. Also joining us, we have a special guest. He's the newest member of the Bless You Boys staff. I was trying to think of the comparison to well, you know, Phil. You know, we have Phil Coke's brain for humor. And now we also have a man known as Hook Slide for humor. But, you know, if I went to the Abbott and Costello, well, Cost, you know, Abbott was a straight man. Or if I go to the he's the, the, he's the Shemp to his Curly, well, you know, some people love Curly and think Shemp sucks. So I'm just going to say he is uh, – he, he also steps up on the humor side of Bless You Boys. You know him as Hook Slide. And Jake, how you doing? Doing just fine. Um, really more of a Jeff Jones to uh, Jim Leland, I think. Not, not the – Jeff Jones, I was expecting a Gene Lamont. Uh, I don't know about that. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, maybe you've got a torn rotator cuff from waving runners around or something. So <laughs> I wouldn't put it past me. But uh, no, this is this is kind of a cool thing. I, I appreciate the uh, the opportunity uh, to join you guys on the podcast. Um, this is, uh, as I noticed on the notes, it's podcast number eighty four. So I think, in reference to it being a Bless You Boys podcast, that's kind of a special deal. Well, if you want, yeah, I guess if if the '84 does uh, significant, uh, significant uh, is a significant number to Tigers fans, and that's one of those things that well, I I never notice. So, well, I noticed I'll it. I'll forget just to change the number at the top of the show notes anyway. So, you know, I, I noticed it, and in preparation for the podcast, I tried my best to grow a Jack Morris mustache, uh, failed miserably. So, well, sorry I think about that. I have the facial hair portion of the podcast covered for everybody. So with my with my evil looking goatee. So, all right. With that, uh, before we get into actual baseball talk uh, about the podcast, if you want to contact us, there's several ways to do so: uh, bybpodcast at gmail dot com, bybtigers at gmail dot com, at bless you boys on the twitters. Uh, numerous, uh, and several of us have our hand in that Twitter, but that's mostly Kurt's uh, doings. And we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash BYB Tigers. 
BYB.Tigers, I should say, and that's pretty much where people just go and yell at each other. So uh, more, more so than do in the comment threads that bless you, boys. All right, guys, let's start talking some baseball. And uh, this past week, Tigers has pretty much just played 500 ball, but one was a series sweep and one was a near series sweep in their other direction. They, almost, they really got blown out for three games. Well, pretty much three and nine-tenths games until the ninth inning of the game four of the A's series. The Tigers took three in a sweep of the, of the Mets and then proceeded to drop three of four to the A's, uh, playing, as I said, awful baseball for approximately 35 innings. Uh, the starting pitching was absolutely pounded. You know, and this, we're not talking Rick Porcello. We're talking the other four starters who were absolutely beat to a pulp by uh, the A's bats. Regardless of all that, the Tigers came from four runs down to walk off in game four, thanks to a Torrey Hunter home run, salvaging one win in a god-awful series. And a couple things that we, I guess we have to remember about this, guys, is despite the Tigers playing rotten baseball for half the week and narrowly avoiding a sweep, in those four games, they lost three, yet they gained a half game in the standings. So, but Kurt, uh, Torrey Hunter's game winner on Thursday. Well, remember it as the play of the season, or I know some other people think it still pales to what happened in Cleveland. So what's your call on this? Well, because all of us have short memories, it will be the play of the season until the next play of the season. Ah, yeah, good point. There's, there's still more than a month of baseball left, and, I mean, I think we had to go pretty deep into the year and to, to get a play of the year in the past year or two, so. Was it what, Dirks in September last year? Yeah, that was yeah, that was a slide mid September. Yeah. Right, right. So there's 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 plenty of time left in the year to forget about this one. <laughs> I'm sure we will, especially if the Tigers lose some more games. <laughs> and they will. Yes, they will. Some people don't want to hear that, but you know what? They're not going to go undefeated the rest of the year. You're, no. No, it's true. <laughs> I, I'm sure not due to that. <laughs> You know, I'm going to hold to that prediction. So. Well, well, you know, I am right 99.5% of the time. Something that you forgot to remind people lately. Oh, it's it's pretty much common knowledge at this point. So. There might be a new listener. We have to we have to keep them up to date on the percentage. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, that half percent counts for a lot. So. Yeah. Among the re- among my readers, it certainly does. <laughs> uh, Jake, uh, that home run on uh, Thursday afternoon. Uh, Talk about something that came out of nowhere. I think everybody had pretty much written that game off halfway through. But uh, that also kind of shows that the Tigers' resiliency. They've walked, they have, as Kurt says, they do lose occasionally. But they're rarely, if ever, out of a game. And I think that's exhibit A for that. Well, I'll tell you what. I I don't like to give up on the games, uh, you know, because anything can happen in baseball. Like, you could actually drop a series one to three and still come out half a game ahead. Yeah. Uh, but I had come pretty darn close to being done with that game you know, by the ninth inning and realizing they're down six to three mm-hmm. and they're not known this year for, you know, coming back, uh, you know, from deficits of more than a run or two. But uh, that was, that was just ridiculous. Yeah. Cause I believe they've only had just a handful of walk-offs, like three, four, maybe, or something like that. So yeah, right. it was, a, it was a, a very rare occurrence. Uh, but in the big scheme of things, Kurt, what a sweep by the A's really been that big of a deal. Um, well, it would have been a big deal to people who talk about these things in October. You know, they're being, well, Oakland just swept the Tigers in August. How are the Tigers ever going to keep up with them here in the playoffs? Yeah. 
but in the grand scheme, I think anyone who actually knows baseball knows that what happens one week may not happen the next. So I, I really would. I mean, I it would have sucked as a as a fan and a viewer, but to the to the what would happen in October, I, I don't think it would have spoke of that. But a lot of people would have tried to paint that picture anyway. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the thing. It's uh, it's all about the narrative, as they like to say at uh, Bless You Boys, and uh, so, but. Uh, uh, would you have been uh, very concerned, uh, Jake, if the, if the Tigers had gotten swept? Well, yeah, from a strictly numbers perspective, you know, just looking at the stats, no, not really. I mean, they're going to lose three, four games here and there. In fact, I did some math the other day, and I, I think based on their current win percentage and the number of games left, we can expect them to lose 12 or 13 more yeah. before the season's out. No! So, well, I'm going to hold okay. you to that, too. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I, I write humor. I don't do math. So... Um, but it's, the, the other component there is the psychological component, which I know sabermetricians, you know, will say doesn't really exist. Um, but the psychological, emotional component of losing four games in a row to the uh, to the Oakland A's, who might be, you know, a, a playoff contender, that might have actually been a little bit more uh, devastating. Yeah. Uh, coming into this series with Cleveland, which we all know is, you know, a must-win series. Um, I'm not sure how they would have performed if they had dropped all four to Oakland. Mm-hmm. Well, so to have it, you know, yeah. to have it walked off in that dramatic fashion, I think is pretty big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, yeah, but I wasn't too worried about the A's because Don Kelly's on the playoff roster. We know how well he does in the playoffs, so you know he is the Tigers' Mister October. So I wouldn't have been, you know, but you guys are right. It's, uh, you know, psychologically, it would have been a huge blow to the fan base. I think the Tigers themselves would have just shook, you know, shook it off as. You know, the, as Jim Leland likes to say, it's not how you're playing, but when you play them. And the A's were just absolutely smoking hot. And the Tigers, as we've seen occasionally with their pitching staff, that they aren't perfect all the time. And, you know, sometimes they have a streak of bad starts. I mean, shit happens, and that's what happened over this past week. And speaking of shit, the Indians are coming to town. Uh, no, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean that, but it seemed like a good segue. But the, they arrived for a three-game series. We're actually recording this Friday afternoon. The game will be in about four hours. Uh, and the Tribe arrived six and a half games out of first place. And realistically, I, their fans and the, I think the Tribe themselves are trying to get into the, to the wild card slot. They have pretty much written off the division. And I think Tigers fans, though, seem to be scared to death that the Tigers are going to collapse at any time, you know, at least going by the reactions to the first three games of the A series. You know, and that's where I think people kind of get lost and know they're thinking, oh my God, the Tigers have lost three or three or four, yet they increased their lead in the standings. And I think the big thing about this, Kurt, is that even if the Tigers are treading water, that really means that the magic number keeps decreasing. You know, because the Tribe aren't playing very good right now. So even though the Tigers haven't played all that well, uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, running the clock out because uh, the, 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 the Indians really don't have much that much time to get their act together. No, no, they they really don't, and they they really missed a huge opportunity against Atlanta to catch up. So, you know, like you said, if, you, if the Tigers just win one game, they take two off the magic number. That's uh, and, and the magic number is what down to twenty three, I think, is, when we were playing yeah. this. So, so you know, if, you, if you're under twenty or, by you know, entering entering September, that's a pretty good place to be, I think. Uh, if, if the Tigers take the the magic number is 19. So you know, again, you're, you're doing pretty good here. So I, 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 I yeah, this, I, it, it would take something epic for the Tigers not to win the division at this point. And uh, you know, I think I, I said this last week. It, you know, I'm still going to knock on wood. I don't want to jinx anything, but mm-hmm. but 
in the grand scheme of it is, is this is the Tigers division and it's it's we've been talking about October like a sure thing for a couple of months for a reason because this is the best team in the division and they're not going to get derailed. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Even with uh, picking up Jason Kubel, <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm scared now. But but it, realistically, the it's, it's all about the wild card of the Indians. And uh, and Jake, this is one of those again, one of those things that as long as the Tigers don't get swept, uh, they're going to be fine, aren't they? And even if they don't get swept, they're probably yeah, even if they do, yeah. You look at the the record as it stands right now, and they've won. The Tigers have won what eighty percent of their games against Cleveland so far. So. You know, really, why are we worried? Especially because this is podcast 84, and the magic number is down to a Kurt Gibson. Yeah. Well, you're good at math. Yeah. I, you're know. good at numbers. Now and again. <laughs> no, but, I mean, seriously, they, they've won so many games against yeah. Cleveland. I mean, where does the fear come from that, we, you know, that the, that the Tigers are going to collapse at this point against the Indians? I, I really don't see that. But that's the thing. That's the problem. I think too many people are listening to uh, – Certain sports talk radio hosts that uh, keep kind of pumping that uh, uh, that fear gland, you know, just for, for the sake of maybe some listener, you know, just you know, generate some controversy, generate some talk. But I really do, you know, I think anybody who's been watching baseball all season long and really been paying attention to this team, I think a a collapse is, you know, it, it, it ain't it ain't happening. It's just not happening this year. Right? You know, the pitching staff is even though the pitching staff was pretty crappy this past week. It's not going to stay that way. So, but crappy pitching, you got, we have, I guess it kind of leads us to Justin Verlander. And, uh, this, you know, everything I, I got, I heard from listening to WXYT, uh, the morning after his, uh, from his, uh, awful start against the A's, I've heard all the following theories about what's wrong with Jason, uh, Jason. I want to call him Jason Verlander, but Justin Verlander. And one, he, he's jealous of Max Scherzer because Max has been so good. Uh, the contract has made uh, Verlander lazy. Obviously, his arm is worn out because he's thrown so many pitches. His mechanics are screwed up because he's thrown so many pitches. And he just plain sucks and is now Barry Zito, 2.0. Uh, and he should be either be traded, uh, DFA'd, sent to Toledo, or put in the bullpen. So, <laughs> that's that fear crap that Tigers fans didn't be so good at. But uh, Verlander says he's been through this before, uh, obviously referring to 2008, and he's not worried because the quote he used is he's a better pitcher now. And Jim Leland, his uh, solution was Verlander needs to make it simple and be aggressive. So, uh, Kurt, I know we've kind of, every few weeks we, sent, we tend to drift towards the Verlander conversation, and it's you know it looks like he figures things out, and then he has a start like he did against the A's. And this is starting to just look like one of those seasons for Verlander where He's just, this is what he is. We're just, you know, he's kind of a better Al Albuquerque right now. We're just not sure what we're going to get from start to start, and it may end up being that way for the rest of the year. I know what we're going to get. We're going to get annoyed every start. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's really starting to piss me off. <laughs> but uh, like you said, it, it it just seems to be one of the, and, and I think we talked about Max Scherzer this week last year. Yeah. Where we, where we say it was inconsistent. You never know what is going to show up. It, you know, it, 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 it will drive you crazy. And then suddenly Max Scherzer is Cy Young this season. So, it, you know, it, in, this, in the long run, I am not worried about Verlander or the contract or anything about all like it. In the short run, you know, I, I'd certainly like to feel more confident going into October, and it, it's hard to feel confident in Verlander given how he's pitched 
for most of this season. So, you know, that's, that, that does play a role. And, and I guess we'll talk about that later, but, you know, how, how do you approach the playoffs when you can't just bench the guy? He's been your ace and your side young when you're an MVP and all that. But what, you know, what, what do you do with it? And, yeah. and, and how long, if he's starting a game in the playoffs, how long can you stick with them? You gotta get someone up in the bullpen, you know, in the second inning or what? So that, there's all sorts of other things going on, but, you know, in the long run, no, I, I, I'm not worried at all. Uh, Jake, how about you? You agree with Kurt, or are you, are, are you a little more concerned than him that maybe, being he is 30 years old, that maybe we've just seen the best of Justin Verlander, and really it would be hard to top uh, the last two seasons where he was the best pitcher in baseball and legitimately could have won two consecutive Cy Young awards, and maybe he's just not going to be all-world anymore. He just If he ends up very good, I, uh, fans can't complain, but maybe this, I won't say this is going to be Justin Verlander, but to expect Justin Verlander to be what he was the last two years, don't you think that may be a little too much? Well, you know, I, I try to make a distinction here uh, between, you know, calling it what it is right now. It's a very bad 2013 yeah. for him. And there's nothing wrong with saying that, I don't think. But you don't need to leap from that right to he's done yeah. as a pitcher. You know, that, that's a fine line to try and walk, you know, and say, no, 2013, it, it, there have been so many stats pulled from this year that are compared over and over again to the 2008 season. So, you know, I think we're, you know, well, well within our rights to say it's it's not really a good year for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, next year, yeah, he's Justin Verlander. You know, yeah. come on. Well, let me ask you this, Jake. Uh, come playoff time, where do you station him in the uh, in the rotation? Because you have, I have a feeling, Jim Leland, if he's going to be, and he should be able to manage his rotation to the point where he'll be able to pick a starter for game one of whatever series they have. Uh, I really kind of think that we may see Justin Verlander uh, get that game one start. Do you think that's going to happen? Boy, I, I wouldn't predict. Uh, if I was Jim Leland, um, you know, first of all, I'd be on my third pack of Marlboros right now. <laughs> um, but I would not start him in game one. Um, and it's not just because of the 2013 that he's having. It's the way that his 2013 is really lining up with his playoff history. Yeah, And he's not typically been great in the playoffs, aside from a couple starts in the, in last year's playoffs. So I, I don't think it's any – it would be in a disrespect to him to say, you know, we're going to start with, with uh, Sanchez or Scherzer in game one and two and, and let Berlander pitch three and just see how he does. Kurt, do you think that'll happen? Because you know how Jim Leland is, and he's very loyal to his veterans, but do you think that uh, realistically it would make sense for the Tigers to have Verlander as their number three guy as uh, – as Jake says, behind uh, take a pick between uh, Scherzer and Sanchez. You think that's what's going to happen, or will will uh, tradition and you know and trust in Verlander uh, make him the number one starter? I think he's going to be number one. Uh, you know, I really do, and 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 I don't know if I'm really concerned about that because well, let's face it. You know, if you're talking about a three out of five series. As long as Justin Verlander is anywhere in the first three, you know, it all yeah. counts the same. So, yeah. You, I mean, you'd rather start off 1-0 and than 0-1, and but, you, you know, you still got Verlander pitching in the first three games, and it's, 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 it's still the same to me. You know, there's psychological aspects, like like Jake said, but, uh, you know, I, sure, I'd like to see Max Scherzer starting, especially because he's going to win the Cy Young this year, but as long as Max is pitching number two, you know, yeah. that it, 
what's the worst that can happen? You know, obviously baseball is baseball, and it never works out like it's supposed to, but you, you still expect, you know, at the worst, you're 1-1 one one after the first two games. And, you, you know, you, you'd rather be 2-0, and oh, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah, but I got to say though, I, I love some of the the theories from the fan base as to what's the matter with Justin Verlander. I still think my favorite is he's jealous of Max Scherzer. <laughs> but you know, if you listen to WXYT for just an hour, your head would explode after a bad Verlander start. It's just amazing the stuff people spew, and it's uh, uh, I, I I don't I guess what gets me is that there's that we're all in a way, uh backseat managers and a lot of us and well there's a fair amount of people out there who think that yeah i i i was a pitcher in the seventh grade i so i can uh, diagnose this manager justin verlander i mean i i heard that today talking about the, the lions quarterback matthew stafford who was essentially getting called the same sorts of things that verlander is that you know he sucks and they should bring back drew stanton god forbid so uh it, it's kind of ridiculous this over the top this over the top stuff yeah as, as jake said this is a bad season for verlander but it's not the end of his damn career, and I really don't see him becoming Barry Zito or anything near that, or even Tim Lincecum. So, and, and God forbid, you know, Zito and Lincecum played a big part in the Giants beating the Tigers last year. So, who the hell knows what's going to happen? But in yeah, the end, I wouldn't mind Verlander being Zito in the, in the World yeah, Series. Yeah, exactly. He was great. He beat Verlander in Game One for Christ's sake. So, you know, it's you know, whatever happens to Verlander rest of this year, I'm not, I'm, I'm still not going to get all uptight over that long contract. Not just yet. You know, it's, you know, it's, I just trying to predict what's going to happen five years down the line. is It's just the exercise of futility, even though people love to do that. And I'm going to get into that predicting the future crap towards the end of the podcast from a certain ESPN writer. All right. Uh, our own John A. McGeehan posted kind of a thought experiment at Bless You Boys this past week. And he asked, Essentially, who was the number two hitter on the Tigers? And the quote was, uh, after Miguel Cabrera, who is the Tigers' most valuable hitter? You know, and amazing enough, a topic that doesn't involve hate or predictions or anything like that. Just give, you know, your ideas and who you think has really been their number two guy. In the poll, readers voted Victor Martinez as the, as the number two hitter on the Tigers at 43%. And I'm sure it, he wouldn't even been mentioned two months ago, which really tells you how he's turned his season around. I mean, he's on the verge of hitting 300 now. Uh, Torrey Hunter got 27%, probably because he uh, hit a home run. <laughs> a couple, whatever, well, that was actually a couple days ago, regardless. Uh, Austin Jackson got 13%, and Prince Fielder 10 uh, Now, let me ask you, Jake, I'll start with you. Who do you think is the Tigers' number two hitter? Who's the, who is the guy who is considered the most valuable bat if you take Cabrera out of the lineup? Max Scherzer. <laughs> right, yeah. He didn't. He's hitting 1,000 this year, isn't he? Yeah, I believe so. I'm pretty close to it. I'm too. No, yeah, yeah, I would put yeah Doug Fister right behind him. He's like <laughs> with those with those three names that you just mentioned, though Hunter and Fielder and uh, B Martin and Martinez. Um, it's it's one of those things where I think the eye test is a little bit funny compared yeah. to the actual numbers because my gut reaction is Victor Martinez. The yeah. guy is just hitting the ball like crazy mm-hmm. right now. But if you look at the actual numbers right now, um, Hunter has has a 308 average and, and uh, Martinez is 297. And Hunter is at, uh, what, an 823 OPS to Victor's 766. You know, so Hunter is actually edging him out. Um, even in the categories of, like, home runs and right. RBIs, he's, he's really, really close. Kurt, how about you? Who would you pick to be the second most valuable bat in the Tigers? Well, geez, now he's going and stole my answer. Oh. 
He was the obvious one. Uh, not, you know, what, Don Scherzer, Mark- right? Yes, well, in fact, <laughs> he's number one. <laughs> no, no. But, uh, you know, to me, Hunter was the obvious one, and not just because of yesterday. I mean, yeah. you know, he's just been such a solid part of, uh, you know, getting on base for Cabrera, extending innings to get Cabrera. Like, you know, he, he hits, he hits for a little power. He, he, he's fallen a triple short of the cycle twice this year, and, you know, you could debate whether he would have actually gotten the cycle if Brookings had actually realized he was going for it. Yeah. So, it, to me, he, he just, he's a little bit of everything. I think we expected, you know, his numbers were so good last year, I think we expected him to drop off, but it, it really has not been nearly the drop off that I, even I thought he, he would have. So, yeah, it, it's definitely Hunter. You know, if you want to stretch a little further, though, uh, I, I, you know, it's it, 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 the interesting thing about the lineup is, you know, besides you, you name those first three, but it, it's still a solid lineup, top yeah. to bottom. It, you know, you you might go well to, you know, step down to get to an Infante or, you know, or an Austin Jackson might not be performing as somewhat expect, but even then you, you're not saying they have bad seasons. They're having good seasons compared to their, you know, what you expect for their position. So it, it's really up and down, it, it, pretty solid. And even Don Kelly is uh, is hitting. Yeah, yeah, he's having a career year. You know, his OPS is over 700, and I think no one saw that coming. But, uh, you know, if you want to go in a, in a different direction of this, I'd still say the most important uh, hitter, uh, you know, say for Cabrera, is still Prince Fielder, because if he comes around, this this offense looks so much better. And actually, he is coming around somewhat. I mean, he, is, he has been starting to swing the bat better in August compared to that, pretty much a two-month slump he had, but... It's just jaw-dropping to see how good Victor Martinez has been over the past two months. He was hitting 230, and people were calling him washed up in May, and now he is going to be, hell, he'll probably be over 300 by the end of the weekend. So it's absolutely stunning just how he's turned his season around. And, well, let, me ask, let me ask you guys this yeah. question. Is it just me, or does Tory Hunter seem, again, we're just going by the eye test here, but doesn't he seem a lot more streaky? at the plate than Victor Martinez. And let me put this kind of in context, you know, that if, if you're going back to yesterday's game and it's the ninth inning and there's two outs and runners on, would you have rather seen Hunter have that at bat or Victor Martinez? I guess it depends what you're looking for because Martinez doesn't hit home runs. He doesn't hit a lot. He doesn't, you know, that's not his game. He's a line drive hitter. So if you're looking for a home run, yeah, probably if not you know, in that situation, yeah, I guess that at that point, the Hunter is the, is the better option just because he's more likely to, to hit one out compared to uh, Victor Martinez. What's your take on that, Kurt? I was not informed I was going to have to do research for this podcast. <laughs> I, I, I warned Jake about this, that you like to be surprised. So. <laughs> I, I just I, I didn't do any research either. I am making every bit of this up. But, but no, I, you know, I, I think Al, I think Al, seeing good is green. I think Al had, you know, had, had it right if you, if you're, but either way, I mean, yeah. either way, you know, I, I think it, it, it's a, it's a win-win. But, you know, with, with Cabrera having left the game earlier, it, it took that, that pop out where you ended all in one stroke. So I can, I can see where, you know, Al came from with, uh, with winding Hunter in that position. Yeah, what, and what is interesting about that play is that, or, you know, that, how things ended up in that game is that people are forgetting all about, Victor Martinez kept that inning alive by muscling a single to center to get Hunter to the plate. If he doesn't get that single, game's over. So, and that's kind of lost in the whole uh, the, the walk off home run stuff. So, uh, 
it's, it, Martinez has just had an absolutely amazing second half. Well, actually, yeah, great two thirds of the season because he's a uh, you can't get him out right now. It's absolutely ridiculous. So, but regardless of all that, let's talk to someone who people love to hate. Now that they, now if they're no longer hating Victor Martinez, and with Brandon Inch and Ryan Rayburn having moved on to well, in Rayburn's case, greener pastures, and in Inch's case, probably back home in Ann Arbor at this point, and Phil Coke now currently residing with the Mudheads. It seems like Andy Dirks has become the fan base's favorite whipping boy. But the question is, is it deserved? And why Andy? Why the neck? Uh, Jake, what's your thoughts? Well, I did a lot of research for this question, <laughs> uh, just for this one alone. And my exhaustive research shows that uh, his neck is actually an implant. Ah. So that's uh, that's a big part of the reason right there. Um, Breaking the news. There you go. <laughs> No, but in all seriousness, if I'm ever serious, um, the one thing that I did look at is, you know, his current batting average is 249, right. based on what I saw at Baseball Reference. But I went through and kind of measured month by month, and I was really surprised to see that that has been consistent uh, from May to June, July, and August. It's been right around 250 every single month. And I started thinking about this this phenomenon and thinking, well, maybe if he were a little more streaky – you know, uh, hitting great one month and then terribly the next month or whatever, the, the fan base might be more willing to put up with him, yeah. you know, based on that eye test. But the fact that he is so consistently right around that 250 mark, you know, means he's going to hit one for four most games. So he's just consistently unremarkable. Yeah, well, I, see, I just looked it up. You're right. He's hit pretty, he's essentially hit 250 for three months straight. Right. <laughs> That's pretty damn hard to do. <laughs> you're right. It's that lack of a, it's that lack of a big streak that is, uh, you know, it's, you know, you're, it's, you know, it's not, it doesn't curry favor like Ryan Rayburn used to do and make you think big things, but. Well, you know, you've got an in-season comparison right here with Alex Avila. Yeah. Who's, you know, arguably hitting worse than Dirks is, but yet he's had a couple big knocks. Yeah. You know, and, and some big home runs, so you know you can kind of go, okay, we'll 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 deal with it because he's he's up and down and up and down. But Dirks is consistent, and isn't that kind of what you want? Yeah, consistently average, I guess, is the best way to put it. And that and that kind of leads to where people expect all stars at every position when that is uh, very unrealistic to say the very least. Kurt, to what's your take on? Uh, uh, it seems like this fan base needs to have a whipping boy, and it just kind of you know as. It was Don Kelly for a while, but Kelly's having a halfway decent year, so you don't hear the screams now that he's in the lineup, and it really seems to become Andy Dirks is the uh, uh, the black sheep of the Tigers roster. Well, yeah, this fan base, and I'm sure other fan bases, uh, do need a whipping boy because, you know, it's sports, and who better than your own teams to make heroes and uh, villains out of, right? So, and and if it, if it wasn't Dirks, you know, it would be someone else. Yeah. We we could be we could be talking about how much Avila is hurting the lineup if, if Dirks wasn't there. But Avila, we we like because we're pretty sure he helps the pitchers out, so we can't say anything bad about him. And besides, he gets talked in the head all the time, so <laughs> yeah. you know we would really feel bad about saying anything bad about him. But Dirks, you know, he's just out there uh, doing his thing out in the outfield, and you know, it, it's. He doesn't have a lot of personality. If he if he had a good personality, people might like him a little bit more. But there, there's no personality there, so far as I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I think the the idea, you know, that he he consistently bats 240 or 250 without doing much of anything, you know, I I, I think that's there too. 
I, I would I would point out that he is uh he he is doing a little bit better in August, so I pat myself on the back about that one. Yeah, yeah, because he's actually getting on base at uh like three S three seventy clip, which is great. That's awesome. So at least he's not uh, he's taking he's taking pitches rather than swinging at pitches, and that seems to work in his uh, his favor. But yeah, I'm just wondering. Uh, well, uh, Jake, who do you think would be next in line if Andy Dirk starts hitting? Who who becomes the uh, the hey tee? Max Scherzer. Really? Obviously. Okay. <laughs> no, I'd say Justin Verlander. Well, yeah, he's he's definitely next in line. I think that's yeah, that, that absolutely Justin Verlander. He's already maybe giving Andy Dirks a run for his money. Yeah. It's, yeah, and, and in his case, yeah, it's all about the the money changes everything. So, regardless of all that, though, the Tigers are in fine shape, and no matter what happens this weekend, or by the time we talk in the next podcast, I'm sure the Tigers will still be in first place, and all will be fairly well in the world. But regardless of all that, the next time we talk, uh, there's going to be some changes in the Tigers roster, and that rosters can expand uh, come September 1st, and uh, that would actually uh, be a couple days from now, and actually, so. Saturday will be the final day to to officially get someone up who, to guarantee them to be on the playoff roster without having to do some uh, disabled list juggling. Uh, so Tigers aren't known for bringing up half the AAA team, unlike uh, we saw the White Sox last year, and Robin Ventura had a, had a party every night with making pitching changes. Uh, usually there's just a, you know, a handful of players, three or four, if that, uh, get called up to the Tigers. This year, there seems to be a fair amount of people who could get called up. Uh, no, you know, there's a lot of guys. There are some players that Jim Leland has said they deserve to be up here, but for various reasons they aren't. So, you think we're going to see more call-ups than normal, Kurt? Uh, or do you think we'll just see, you know, uh, just the usual two or three guys? Well, for one, I'd like to see someone come up to play third base and keep Cabrera from falling apart by the end of the year. Holy uh-huh. cow! You know, that would be. That would be interesting. Uh, I don't think we're going to see, you know, uh, Leland has his, his idea, and we've seen Leland push forth this idea for like seven years now, and I don't think it's going to change. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't like to have a guy on the bench that he doesn't know exactly how he's going to use and, and often enough to take advantage. No no free rides on the Jim Leland team. You, you're on the team, you're going you're gonna to work and you're going to contribute, or else you're not there. So I don't. And, and where where do the Tigers truly need help? You know that yeah. he 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 doesn't use everyone in the bullpen much as it is. I can see maybe adding one pitcher or two. You know some of the guys like like Phil Cole coming back, stuff like that. But I don't think it's going to expand greatly there. Uh, you know the the position players are pretty set. He'll probably make sure he has an extra catcher in case Pena takes the ball off his foot again or or Avila gets knocked out. But other you know other than those little those little requirements to, to make sure you've got the insurance, I, I really don't see too much going on. You know, I think we all assume Castellanos is going to come up, but right. I don't even know. I don't think that's even a sure or for sure thing. So. Oh, my God. That might cause a fan base riot if that happens. Oh, but, but you got a point there because how much do you think he would he realistically play unless, uh, you know, unless the Tigers were absolutely you know, like 10 games up or something like that? If it's the Tigers felt they needed Castellanos to contribute. He would be with the team right now instead of Andy Dirks, and that's who he has to circle. So obviously they don't think he's going to come up and contribute. Uh, as you know, it, it's possible they'll get his feet wet before next year, you know, but it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if we didn't see him at all. So, I, you know, I, I'm not going to go out and say that's the most likely scenario, but I think it's above zero. You know, I, I think there's a, a chance that we're not going to see Castellanos and 
e- either way, it's good to the blog because we know one thing about our readers, and they love reading about Cassianos. <laughs> yeah, even we have, don't really have much more to say about the guy. I mean, he's pretty, he's pretty much exhausted the topic at this point. But one of our uh, minor league gurus, uh, Nick D'Elia, uh wrote today actually, who he thinks can't will make the make the uh, will get the call up for September, and he has as locks uh, catcher Brian Holiday, which makes sense. You know, I have that extra catcher. Uh, Phil Coke, because, you know, the Tigers already said he's coming back, and they need a left-handed uh, arm. Anyway, and Hernan Perez, who I think people have kind of forgotten about since the Jose Iglesias trade. And that kind of makes sense, too, because he can play uh, three of the infield positions. And then there's the wild cards, like uh, Octavio Dotel's health. Uh, maybe they bring back Jose Ortega, Darren Downs, who really they've just seemed to have forgotten about. I think there is a decent left-handed arm right where testing on, and then obviously Evan Reed, who people are like, how come he's still down and L. Albuquerque's still up? So, uh, Jake, what's your call on this? Do you agree with Kurt that we might just see uh, two or three guys and that's it, maybe not even Nick Castellanos, or could we see a few more just because of some specific needs like left-handed pitching? That is a really tough question. Um, I'm trying to sit here and think, you know, what do the Tigers even really need in terms of depth, you know, and uh, do they really need a Castellanos, you know, to come up and play in left field? I, I personally would love to see that just because there's been so much hype around him that, you know, I'm just, I'm definitely curious as to what this guy can actually do. Um, but I would tend to think off the top of my head that, you know, what they really need is, is more depth in the bullpen. Yeah. So why not Evan Reed? Yeah. You know, and uh, anybody that's not named Phil Coke. <laughs> Yeah, that just yeah, that makes no sense, Jake. It's just load up on bullpen arms. What the hell? Okay, why not? Yeah, you know, because uh, Leland has been crying about you know, you know, the bullpen's been burned out at times. So bring up a couple extra arms. And uh, Downs and Reed have at least shown that I think they can kind of help out in that middle relief area where the Tigers got pounded in the A series. So, but in the big scheme of things, I'm, I'm with both you guys. That this is a fairly deep team that doesn't need a lot of uh, reinforcements, you know. And in a lot of ways, Nick Cassianos would just come up to watch for the most part. And as Kurt says, Jim Leland doesn't like that. He wants guys who can play, and he will play them if they're up. So it'll be yeah, interesting got, to see what happens. Though you got someone like Hernan Perez, who you know, from my vantage point, he was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. In the time that he was up there, because he had great, you know, action in the field. But I, I don't want to see him in the lineup in place of Advante. Yeah. And you know who's everybody's forgotten about is Danny Worth. And he was a guy at the end of the season. Even Jim Leland said he deserved to make the team, but he couldn't because of Ramon Santiago's contract. And now he, you know, he he got off to the start. He got injured at the start of the season and never really bounced back uh, with the bat. And he's kind of become. You, you don't hear free Danny Worth anymore, Kurt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly what I said. <laughs> uh, well, you know why? If if you if he had put up some good numbers in Toledo, we hear, but he he just bombed out this season. Yeah, yeah, it, it was unfortunate, but yeah. And all of a sudden, it looks like from a sure call up to he might be he might just be told bye bye. You no, know, and good luck in your next organization at this point. So, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, also uh, brought up was the Tigers going to send five to the Arizona Fall League, announced as AFL bound, where, well, a bunch of guys I don't know. And uh, <laughs> uh, does anybody care, Kurt? 
no. <laughs> Jake, how about you? <laughs> um, no, not really. Uh, I, I, I mean, some of these names I've, I've recognized, you know, like the, Devon Travis and the right. Yeah, Evil. Tyler Collins, a couple of these names we've heard, like, in spring training and things like that, but... Well, I, you know, living in West Michigan, I've actually seen a couple of Oh, that's of right, yeah. ...on a fairly regular basis playing for the Whitecaps, so it's kind of cool from that vantage point to be like, okay, they're, you know, I assume this is some kind of a promotion, you know, that they're getting sent to the AFL. Right. Good for them. Um, hopefully that, that turns out well for them, and, uh, you know, now I, I sound like Jim Leland. <laughs> well, you know... But uh, as Kurt and I have said in the podcast before, that's why we have guys who we have guys who write about minor league ball because they love that kind of thing. They love talking about prospects, as we don't. <laughs> you know, if these guys work out well in the Arizona Fall League and and become the next big thing, awesome. But uh, as we've seen from the Tigers in the past, uh, don't expect big things from any of these guys. You know, if they if if a couple of them do make the big leagues, it'll be as bench guys for the most part anyway. Because I don't, I don't see any of these guys to be considered, at least from what we've read on Dusty Boys and people who know these things, as huge big-time prospects. So, uh, again, we don't care. And hopefully things go well for them in Arizona and they get a suntan. All right, here's uh, something that kind of got me going the other day when I saw this. It was an ESPN Insider piece. And Buster Olney tr- is throwing crap at the walls again. You know, and... This time around, it was, you know, this actually, the uh, newspapers in town actually picked this crap up, even though it was, well, uh, let me go on here. Uh, He said the Tigers could be interested in signing Robinson Cano as a free agent. Like, okay. But this is what he, and that's what everybody picked up, you know, you know, the local media. But when he, what he wrote was, owner Mike Illich is aggressive and wants to win a championship. And while the team's priority must be about signing Miguel Cabrera to his next contract, Illich has shown he's willing to expand his budget. So he essentially didn't say anything at all about any insider information, any kind of, uh, you know, belief that the Tigers have serious interest in this. He was just trying to uh, fill column inches. He goes, okay, who could I use in this column that might be interested in Cano? Oh, yeah, the Tigers, because they spend a shit ton of money. And it was it was absolutely ridiculous that people even took this seriously and that the Tigers would be interested in throwing money at Robinson Cano just because the Tigers have thrown money at players in the past when he doesn't really make a, a really good fit. You know, the Tigers would be much better served with another year or two of uh, Omar Infante at about hundred to $200 million less. So uh, I don't know. This is this crap like this, guys, is what turns me off of sites like ESPN and their writers. I don't know about you, Kurt, but I just thought the whole – Cano Tigers thing to be absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, uh, you know, Prince Fielder to the Tigers was ridiculous, and uh, I remember hearing about Miguel Cabrera uh, possibly going to Detroit, and that was ridiculous. So, but um, none of those were predicted. That, those were stuff that just maybe, sort of maybe. happened out of the, out of nowhere. Maybe, maybe, but I'm just I'm just saying that there there is a bit of a track record for you know. I'll just. Go back to this, this day in January last year, where where somebody suggesting that the Tigers were were going to sign Prince Fielder, and I did a blog post, and the blog post says, <laughs> "This is ridiculous." And then I went to Starbucks, and then Prince Fielder signed with the Tigers, and that blog post was sitting atop the blog with me saying how ridiculous and how impossible it was that Prince Fielder would ever be a Tiger, and everyone was flocking to Blessy Boys to read about Prince Fielder becoming a Tiger, and I looked like an ass. 
so I'm just saying that, yeah, Cano is probably not going to happen, but I've learned a thing or two during my days as a blogger, so I'm not going to go out on a limb this time and point out the obvious because the Tigers would do do this, you know, sign Cano just to spite me. Oh, well, I'm, I'm the one that's already gone out on a, on a limb on this, but uh, <laughs> Jake, what's your call on this uh, uh, Buster-only uh, throwing crap at the wall saying the Tigers could be interested in Robinson Cano? Uh, Mike Illich can't afford Robinson Cano because uh, the contract is up on his hairpiece. Yeah. So he's going to be tied up making payments on that. Um, yeah, it's you know, a beautiful hairpiece, though. It really is, but it, it's running out of life, and he needs to reanimate it. So there's, uh, you know, things to, to purchase there. And you know what? I'm just throwing as much crap to the wall as, as Buster only. Um, but along with Kurt, I, I think I would say it's not – you can't write that off. I, I can't imagine why they would want to get Cano, but – you know, would Illich do something like that? Who knows? Would it help the team? What do you think? At this point, oh, of course it would help the team, but my concern if any middle infield are over the age of 30 is that they tend to age very badly. Uh, you know, Cano might be one of the exceptions to the rule because he is uh, has been an elite player, but uh, I get leery about, uh, you know, a guy like Cabrera, you know, I don't, I'm not so leery about signing him long term just because he's hitting at a level that even if he starts to decline, he turns into Prince Fielder, which is still pretty damn good in his mid 30s. No, he's because he's that good. You know, Cano starts to decline, you know, he probably becomes worse than uh, Omar Infante, and Omar Infante is had an excellent year at the plate. You know, I I have I haven't bothered to check the stats, but Omar Fadi's been a, an excellent second baseman for the Tigers, you know, when he's been healthy. So uh, this, this is one of those things where would he help the team? Yes. But would that money help the team more by making sure you lock up Cabrera and Scherzer or maybe plugging holes in other positions and then giving Omar Infante $7 million, I think that would be the better way to go. Yeah, I would agree. You know, when I say would he help the team, I, I'm talking – more in, in the long term, and exactly to your point, uh, you know, is he going to last? You know, if they That's sign the him to a right. to a ten year contract, uh, could that money be better spent elsewhere? Probably. So, in the, in, overall, in the long run, does he help the team? Yeah, probably not. Well, maybe in the, in the very, very short term. I, yeah, right. that would. But that again, the Tigers already have a couple of contracts that could turn out to be very uh, uh, albatross like. You know, five, five to six, eight years from now, and maybe a couple more if they start resigning uh, Cabrera and Scherzer. So, you know, but then again, you know, I think the only person who's going to be able to stop Mike Illich from spending money are his kids, because they say we want at least have a little bit left to live on when you die. So <laughs> that's the only, I guess that's about the only way it's going to stop Mike Illich from spending money at this point. But, uh, but we'll leave Kurt out of this. Kurt's because you know, we don't want him to be embarrassed anymore. After he was at the fielder fiasco, so. I'm hiding under the bed right now. Yeah, naked. So, <laughs> wow, look at the time, guys. I gotta go. <laughs> it's a tall bed. Uh, <laughs> all right, there's there was some interesting stuff that happened during uh, it, not involving quite involving the Tigers, but uh, some stuff that I found kind of interesting. We'd like to kind of touch on those when we get start getting towards the end of the show, and the latest being well. Young stud pitchers, elbow blows up, example number infinity is what I, as I put it in the notes. Last year, all the, the, all the uh, angst 
was over the handling of uh, the national Steven Strasburg and should he be benched or not. The, and actually he ended up uh, being benched. This season, it's Matt Harvey of the Mets. The Mets All-Star had his worst start of the season against the Tigers. A few days later, he was diagnosed with a partial ligament tear in his right elbow. Thus started the angsty, uh, no, you got the old timers who are saying pitchers should throw more. You have the sabermetric types or the new school types saying they should be thrown less. They need to be coddled. They need to be an innings count. Then you got the old folks going back with, well, I threw 500 innings when I was 17 and I, I pitched into my 30s and, you know, they all, you know, the old usual stuff. Uh, the old new school, old school, you know, the old give them rest. Just abuse them, <laughs> one or the other. And the question is, who's right, who's wrong, or is there even a correct way to handle pitchers? Because if you ask me, Kurt, it's it's more like um, you, you just roll the dice with young pitchers. You know, it's stuff like this happens there. So a lot of them, and I don't think no matter if even if Matt Harvey had proven to be a workhorse, if he was going to turn his elbow, he's probably going to turn his elbow. Yeah, you know, I, I I saw I think it was on ESPN, but maybe it was MLB Network. Uh, but I I saw a graphic that they prepared, and it, it said, you know, like why did Harvey, you know, hurt hurt his elbow, and then it showed in 2010 when he was a college pitcher throwing 152 pitches in a game, and and like that was the reason being put forth. And I, I you know, we've spoken about this. I've written about this. I, I this is a subject. If I am passionate about anything, it's one of the subjects I'm passionate about, and that is that we're we're spoiling our pitchers. We 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 think we're bringing them along and in a safe way, and they're still getting hurt. You know, it, yeah. it doesn't matter how 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 much more careful could anyone have been with Steven Strasburg, and he got injured. I mean, yeah. it's it, if it's just insane. Or or we spend all of our time talking about a guy like Max Scherzer. Why did why did Arizona trade Max Scherzer? They were afraid his elbow or his arm was going to fall apart because of his mechanics. The Tigers fans at the time were afraid of the trade. Because he was an injury waiting to happen, and not nothing ever happened to him. And knock on wood that nothing will. But we know from research, after a certain age, if an injury hasn't occurred, it's probably not going to. So, I just think, uh, you know, a certain percentage of young pitchers, some stars, some average, some not so good, a certain percentage of all of them are going to get hurt. We're always going to get ace young pitchers having injuries. Uh, no matter if we baby them or, or if we work them like a workhorse. I, I think you don't want to run your pitcher into the ground and destroy his arm stupidly. I think that would be a bad idea. But I also think that you don't want to coddle him in a way like, like we've done to pitchers in recent years, you know, in the past 10 years. I don't think it works. So I, I, I think Harvey was probably, you know, just destined to, to be in that percentage to get hurt. And that, that's unfortunate. He, you know, it, it's always exciting, I think, as a baseball fan when a, when you, you know, this guy comes along who, who you might not have expected to and he's just, you know, going through everything like, like Harvey was. But I, I don't know if they could have done anything at all different to protect him from getting hurt. So I, it, I, I just, I don't, I don't coddle pitchers. You know, if, if, if Harvey, if we could have done something in, you know, one specific game and you go, if you don't do this, it will save us arm. Well, okay, maybe, maybe that. But no one can say what it is you don't do. So until until then, and that will never be the case. I just think we we have to accept it. Be reasonable, but don't you know? Don't run them into the ground. Don't coddle them. Just be reasonable and expect that some percentage will still get injured. Yeah, you know that's the thing because you know, even back in the day, you know, uh, Mickey Lowell threw 300 uh, innings in a season and was fine. Danny McLean threw 300 innings in the season and ultimately broke down. Uh, Matt Harvey throws 180 innings, breaks down. Justin Verlander throws 180-plus innings, and 
he's fine. And I think that's the thing. Everybody's different, and no matter how you decide to handle them, I'm with you, Kurt. I think if they're going to get hurt, they're going to get hurt. There's not a lot. There's not a heck of a lot you can do uh, to change that. You know, it's it's just a matter of the uh, genetic draw. Uh, Jake, how do you feel on this? You 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 fall on the coddle, or you fall on the, you know, a gut feeling type of managing new pitchers. You know, are you? Are, I guess are you Dusty Baker, or are you the Washington Nationals last year, Davey Johnson? Well, I can't answer that question right now because my arm hurts. So, uh, <laughs> no, I, I would totally agree. that There isn't a universal answer to that to say, well, this is the one way that you do it. Um, I think it, it depends, you know, arm to arm, uh, pitcher to pitcher, makeup to makeup. Um, you talked about um, Lolich, you know, yeah. throwing so many uh, back in the 60s. Um, but I was thinking of uh, uh, Sandy Koufax. Who threw a lot of innings too, and he ended up retiring, uh, you know, before his time, so to speak. And people were surprised, saying, "Why are you getting out of this?" And he said, "You know, I, I have to take cortisone shots every day, and I don't want my arm to fall off." Yeah. So he got out of the business. But you think if anybody could handle the load, you know, it would be Sandy Koufax. And then you got Danny McLean, like you said, pitched a whole bunch of innings, and look at him—he ended up in jail. Yeah. So there's a great argument right there. Yeah, you don't want to, your pitchers. Yeah. If you don't want to end up in jail, don't throw it Yeah, you, you don't want, you know, because the next thing you know, uh, Harvey could be, uh, you know, robbing meatpacking companies of their pensions. So. Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but I, I think, Jake, that what's, it's the, uh, what's really, I think, bothers people is not that it happened, but it's the reaction afterward from all the arguing from people's, how, how, Everybody has a philosophy how pitchers should be handled. No, even we got writers like Tom Verducci, who now has his Verducci effect, you know, who, uh, where he tracks innings of guys in their first year and, and he says if they pitch over a certain amount, they're toast the next year. You know, Rick Porcello was one of, was one of his prime examples. So, uh, I think that's what gets me, Jake. It's just the, the, I think it's an overreaction to the fact that guys get hurt. And that's the thing. Guys get hurt. Well, if you believe, you know, what you hear, um, you know, I, I hear this all the time that pitchers are super, super competitive, and they will go back out there day after day after day, right? Uh, regardless of how they're feeling. I don't know how true that is, you know. But I, I kind of look at this and go, "Geez, just use common sense." You know, if you're a pitcher and you know <laughs> you're, you're throwing a lot of innings, you're starting to notice, you know, tweaks and whatever else, then back it off, you know. Yeah, yeah. just ask Jerry Bonderman, who didn't tell anybody and ended up uh, essentially ending his career for a couple of years because of that. So. But yeah, it's uh, again, and next year it'll be another another star pitcher whose arm goes bad, and we'll all start gnashing the gnashing of teeth once again. All right, there was another article that came out this past week about, and this is this kind of leads to what the Tigers were doing a few years ago, and that uh, one Forbes writer said the Astros, with their slashed payroll and rising TV money, are going we're going to make ninety nine million dollars in profit. Then the Astros denied it, and then another Forbes writer broke it down saying it was a flawed premise, and the Astros, yes, they are making a decent amount of money, but not the most as ever of all time, like the, uh, the, like the previous writer said. But I guess the point of all this uh, controversy, I guess, is there aren't there good ways and bad ways to slash payroll and build for the future, yet still maintain a profit? And I think that's the question that – are the Astros, the Astros, I think, are doing it the right way. They, they, for all appearances anyway, seem to be pumping the money they are taking in right now with the slash payroll and increased uh, media money and putting it back into the farm system and things like that. That's what the Tigers were supposedly doing a few years ago. They ended up just starting to spend it on free agents as well. Then you got the Marlins, 
who just rake in money hand over fist and just continually just trade away players as they get more expensive. So I, I guess the question is, we shouldn't be upset that teams are making money, Kurt. We should be upset what they're doing with that money. I'm actually upset that Houston isn't using some of that money to fix that damn hill. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but no, I, I think Houston is I think Houston is doing everything the right way. Whether it turns out, you know, and they and yeah, if it becomes, works, that's the other question. If they if they become the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, great. If they if if they become the Kansas City Royals, you know, everyone kept thinking it would work out for the Royals and maybe it just doesn't work every time. So, you know, if, if if Houston is following the right pattern, if they're trying to make the decision for the right reasons, whether or not they ultimately move on and, and become a, a, a team that goes deep in the playoffs, I, I don't think it would matter, you know, I, but I, I like what they're doing. And, it's, it, and why should they be spending a lot of money right now? You know, what what, what is the point? I, I if you if you tell me, hey, uh, you know, Kurt, uh, you you should be spending uh, ten thousand dollars on that thing there, and I say I don't need it, and they say, well, you know, you've got the money, you should go buy that. I'd be like, screw you, buddy, you know. <laughs> so so I, I I don't know why the Astros are supposed to, you know, spend ten million dollars on some veteran that isn't a part of their future just so they look like they're doing something. It, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, they they get a they get an expensive veteran and they win seventy five games instead of seventy. You know, yeah, so big it, deal. Yeah, what there? What's what's the point? So you know, as long as they can spend some of that money to fix that stupid hill, uh, <laughs> beyond beyond that, you know, I have nothing nothing against what what, what the Astros are doing. Yes, yes. The, the the late Tal Smith is probably rolling in his grave over having that ridiculous hill named after him. So, uh, Tal's Hill, as it's known. Uh, What's uh, Jake? What's your take on this? Uh, you know, because think about it. When you think about it, you know, the Tigers were once in the position of the uh, Astros, and they kind of built things up to the point now where they have a ridiculous payroll, and that kind of leads to the point where I don't think the t- Tigers fans are going to use it. What's kind of a bloated payroll over 150 million dollars? These things run in cycles, so I don't think Tigers fans can expect them to continue to have uh, that kind of payroll because sooner or later, guys get old. The team starts to, uh, well, you know, fall down the standings, and you can't just con- not, throwing money at free agents doesn't work long term. So, uh, I think that's what uh, Tigers fans may be uh, looking at, may say five or seven years from now. Uh, I, you know, I think you guys are missing the obvious point Uh-oh. here, and that is Detroit just went bankrupt, and Houston is stockpiling all this money. Ah. Coincidence? I don't think so. <laughs> they are going to purchase the city of Detroit, and then, then I don't want to be an Astros fan. Well, you might not have a choice, <laughs> and they might fix that hill after all. Yeah, but no, I, I really don't. It's it, of course you're going to make a ton of money in profit when your you know yearly payroll is seventeen dollars and sixty eight cents. You know anything over top of that, that's great. But my other thought is that you know what I have a hard enough time keeping up with my own financials, so. <laughs> You want me to, you know, look at what some uh, big league team is doing? I really have, I have no idea. Yeah, no, that's a good point because for all we know, the Astros are cooking the books and maybe they're making two hundred million dollars. So, <laughs> you know, I say, oh yeah, we're only making about oh fifty million. You know, who the hell knows when, when they don't open the books? So I think we should get Bud Selig on this immediately. Yeah, he's got other things to do. He's trying to form a committee for for more replay or some shit. So he's busy. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, 
Uh, all right, let's move on to uh, another controversy. This is the kind of stuff that really gets the uh, the columnist type fired up, and that is uh, Yoshio Puig was benched twice over the past week, a oh, week and a half or so, by Don Mattingly, like, uh, uh, the Dodgers manager, and it's supposedly for disciplinary reasons. But, uh, Kurt, isn't that baseball ease for uh, we think Puig is showing up the other team or he, Puig is offending veterans who think his head has gotten too big? Well, yeah, I, you know, I, I think of it was, you know, it, beyond that, you know, I think in this specific case, it, it was, you know, he, he was not respecting the game properly. Actually, that's more baseball ease. It is baseball ease, but I mean, you know, you expect players to run it out. You expect players most of the time not to show up the umpire or, you know, to act a certain way, to have a certain professionalism that uh, that I think Puig was, was lacking. And, you know, I'm... We're not, we're not Scott Miller here or, or you know, some some idiot who wants to stand on a pedestal. But I, I think there are some improvements Puig could make. Uh, you don't want him to, to lose who he is. But I, I think there are, uh, you know, a, a few little professionalisms. Look, look at Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper, two years ago, I hated the guy. I mean, he was he was just, you know, a young, brash asshole, you know, taunting the pitcher as he rounds the bases and all that stuff. You that. I don't want to see anything like that in the, in the game of baseball. I just don't. And I was not a fan of Harper. But now I've come around. You know, Harper treats the game the right way. He's a fun young player to watch. Uh, you know, he, he does charity work and all the good things you want to see, too. You know, so, so now I, I would I would be happy to root for Bryce Harper. And, and I think we're going to see that with Puig. You know, he, he's, he's just growing up, and, and, and it, it, it will be, become who he is, too. And I think he'll still have fun. I mean, Miguel Cabrera still yeah. has fun, you, and you, you don't want to take that out of a guy. But I, I think he just had to make little changes to his professionalism, and, and that's what Don Madden Lee and the Dodgers are doing here. Uh, yeah, do you think there's more there, uh, Jake, or is this I, what Kurt's saying? It's just uh, they're trying to get across to him that he needs to be a li- at least a, a tad more professional in how he handles being a big league ball player. But I guess the fear is, is that if you start tamping on that, that he might become a different, a different, worse player. I think the baseball establishment has to make up their mind. Uh-huh. Uh, do, do they want spark and grit and heart and leadership and all that stuff, or you know, do they want to whatever it is they're going for right now by benching him? Well, what do you think, uh, Jake? Is this a uh, uh, will it work? Honestly, I, I decline to comment. Ooh, he's taking the fifth, Kurt. I will plead the fifth. <laughs> I'm going to plead the fourth. I'll, I'll, I'm going to plead the ninety-eighth. Uh, no, that's right. There, there's, there's not that many amendments. I'm sorry. <laughs> Regardless of all that, he's a fun player to watch, and uh, that, this also kind of leads into the uh, the Latin American players are fiery uh, and. Uh, uh, you know, they're, they're free spirited, uh, things, uh, the, the comments as well. The, uh, uh, it's a cliche, you know, is that, you know, uh, you know, American players are professional and Latin American players are unprofessional. And I, I think that's, that's completely wrong too. But how the, with the, how the media seems to tweet Quig, he's either the bestest thing ever or he's the most disrespectful thing ever. You know, again, it's it's losing this guy where there's a gray area. You know, he's probably somewhere in between, don't you think, Kurt? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm going to plead the fifth. Oh, oh well, if you guys are going to do that, we, I'm just going to stop this podcast right now. We're turning this podcast around and going home. <laughs> exactly. <Right. 
Okay, so totally off the record here, and you can edit this out in post, but Kurt, did you even read what happened with Puig? What? Did you read what happened with Puig? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did, actually. I did not. So that's why I'm putting the fifth. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, you know. Well, Kurt pretty much nailed it, is that well, it was about uh, not running out ground balls and things like that. Yeah, it was, and I think I think there was an issue when he struck out there in that, in, you know, yeah. in, what, the third inning or something, and, and that, that was the key. Yeah. But I guess it's all part of the backlash, you know. It happens to all ball players that, uh, uh, you know, they, they get built up and then, you know, some columnists start breaking them back down. So, regardless of all that, you, you know, the guy's really been a lot of fun to watch. And uh, right now, if I get a chance to watch the Dodgers, I'm going to do it because I want to watch this guy play the field. You know, he's uh, a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, if he becomes the next career, more power to the Dodgers. All right, guys, let's wrap up this show because we're a little bit over an hour. So it's time for final thoughts. If there's anything you'd like to say or add that has not yet been covered or anything else or, you know, if there's something on your mind, something grinding your gears like uh, Peter Griffin, you know, when he was on Quahog Television, now's the time to do it. So uh, Kurt likes to go last, Jake, so you're stuck going first. Anything else on your mind before we wrap it up? Uh, boy, not that I can think of. Um I guess maybe, you know, for all the people that are still calling for Leland's head on the platter and the fire Leland thing, just remember that, that he is doing mankind a service because he is smoking so many Marlboros that he is accepting <laughs> all of the cancer that you might get on his own shoulders. So I think we, we, we owe him some respect for that. I can completely agree with that. You know, he is uh, one, he's, one, he's also keeping uh, tobacco farmers in business. So Absolutely. So, and, and if you're not sorry... Purpose. That's right. If you're not sorry you asked me that question by now, boy, I don't to tell you. <laughs> All right, uh, Kurt, is there anything else on your mind before we call it a night? Um, yes, um, uh, Jason Kubo will be back in the division. Which oh, my God. kind of scares me, actually, because, you know, he was one of those players that just annoyed the piss out of me with the Minnesota yeah. Twins. And I don't know why Cleveland wants to become, the like, the douche team. But <laughs> that's what, you know... That's exactly what they've become. So, uh, you know, if we didn't hate the Indians already, I guess we have even more reason to hate them now this afternoon. Yeah, well, we might have just come up with our headline as well. Is that I don't know why Cleveland wants to be the douche team, but <laughs> <laughs> it seems quite fitting. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I really don't have much else to add myself other than, uh, you know, don't, you know, if you read it on the internet, it's not necessarily true. It even goes for bless you boys. So, no. And if uh, you you see guys like uh, uh, Buster Olney saying the Tigers are going to sign uh, Robinson Cano, uh, take it with a grain of salt. It's just they're just trying to get clicks. You see this shit all the time online that they try to generate. They have to. These guys have to generate so much damn content on a daily basis. You're going to see some good stuff, you're going to see some ridiculous stuff, and you're going to see some okay stuff. You know, it's like they say about television. You know, one-third of a season is awesome, one-third of a, of a show's season sucks, and one-third of the, the team of the TV show season is eh. And uh, for the most part, with these big-time columnists, I think you, it's the same thing goes into effect. Uh, you know, for the most part, I like stuff that guys like Buster Olney and uh, – uh, John Paul Morosi and Danny Nobler and all the usual Sussex put pump out, but they pump out so much stuff, you know, you just don't want to get lost in all the noise. Just you know, parse through it a little bit and then do what you will with it. And you could be like me and say, I don't believe what the hell you're saying. That's not going to happen. Or you could be like Kurt and say, it could. 
It might not. Probably won't, but it could. So keep that in mind, guys. So all right, with that, let's wrap up the show. So, uh, Jake, where can they find you online? Because I, I know you, you're writing for Bless You Voice, but I know you're on the Twitters and things like that. Yes, I do use the Twitters, and uh, the address is Cabrera's Corner at Twitter. How did you end up with Cabrera's Corner, by the way? Oh, boy, that was a failed uh, blog experiment. Um, I was going to start a blog called Cabrera's Corner and just put some of my random stats and stuff up there, more more for having a, an online log that I could go back to and look things up. Yeah. yeah. I started that Twitter account to go with it, and then uh, things kind of developed from there. Yeah. And now it's a completely useless blog, and uh, you could argue that most of what I put up at Bus You Boys is completely useless, too, but people <laughs> seem to like it. So. Well, people all, people told all of us that same thing, so keep that in mind. That's right. <laughs> at least I'm upfront about it, and I'll tell you, this is absolute crap. Yeah, yeah. you're hire experts. So. That's right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Kurt made up Babbitt. So. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and you could always change it. You know, like, I, they finally got me to change mine to get rid of the underscores and all that. Like, you know, I used to, you know, plus my former blog and all the old, the late lamented, uh, the Wayne Font experience. And, uh, so I, I, I added BY, you know, big L BYB is mine now. You could always make a Cabrera's Corner BYB. There you go. Or hook slide BYB. Hook slide BYB. No pressure, think. you know. I mean, you might be very, you might be attached to Cabrera's Corner for all I know. I, I kind of am. It just sounds like a cozy little, you know, ice cream shop on the corner. So I like it. I, yeah, I can just picture Miggy sitting there having a, an ice cream float, you know, at, at your little ice cream shop. <laughs> Sanchez was the ice cream man. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and Kurt, where can they find you online? It actually took me about two and a half years before I, I gave up Mac Avenue Kurt. Yeah, it? yeah, exactly. It was it was a hard one to give up, so I don't I don't blame you. But uh, where can they find me online? Okay, I got I got I got it, you know the, the the tweet that you your favorite and you retweet those usually come from me. Yes. And the other ones come from Al. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, and uh, of course, uh, you also uh, do some stuff with the SB Nation Twitter, do you not? I do less with the SB Nation Twitter now, actually, but I, I do try to do my, my Sundays with uh, SB Nation MLB. Right. We, we might have been interrupted a little bit by the newsroom and camping, but now that now that that's over for the year. And of course, oh, is Rob still doing the Tuesday? Rob is still Tuesdays and Thursdays. He is the star of SB Nation MLB. He is a star in the making. Uh, I, I fear he is going to get too big for us and, and run off, but that's, yeah. So, three, three-sevenths of SB Nation MLB can be brought to you by your favorite Detroit Tigers uh, people. Yeah, 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 and for that matter, people, if you need physical therapy done in the Washington, D.C. area, go see Rob so he gets so busy he can't leave Bless You Boys. <laughs> Wait, what if he gets so busy he leaves Bless You Boys? Well, we have to find the fine line there. You let's know? get that. Let's get that happy balance. Yeah, just exactly. Busy enough, but still hungry for Bless You Boys. <laughs> exactly. I hear Don Mattingly can help you with that. There you go. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up the podcast because we're already running a little bit over. So, until we'll be we'll around this time next week. This is L Beaton saying good night, good luck, along with Hook Slide. Good night and good luck. And Kurt mentioned. Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be back with Fat Albert on the next Bless You Boys podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, can you do that again just for posterity? Did, did you think I forgot? <laughs> you thought I forgot. I was saving it. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Oh, Fat Albert! <laughs>
God. Not like I said, I'll That's good advice. Thanks, big fella.